imagine sitting in the park in the heat Stomach empty, starving to eat Palms are sweaty, heart starting to beat About to get beheaded cause you didn't take the mark of the beast Bill Gates doesn't care about black teens He's trying to alter our DNA by giving us vaccines These elite Satanists are the psychoists They preparing our bodies to accept the microchip Can you imagine walking into a Wells Fargo Not being able to withdraw money because you ain't got a barcode your right hand or your forehead if you don't take the mark of the beast you're gonna fall to the floor dead head cut off bodies squirming our own government acting like nazi germans they want us to live in fear filled with uncertainty one world government under one currency i can categorically say that this is end times this virus is breaking us down just like an enzyme there's pedophiles leaving men and women childrenless these politicians are dummies and the devil's a ventriloquist Stemming from Epstein's Island Gavin Newsom ain't your governor He's a tyrant He took away everything That makes us happy and vibrant And put a mask on us To keep us silent Can you imagine sitting in the park in the heat Stomach empty Starving to eat Palms are sweaty Heart starting to beat About to get beheaded Cause you didn't take the mark of the beast Bill Gates doesn't care about black teens He's trying to alter our DNA By giving us vaccines These elite Satanists Are the psychoists to accept the microchip. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Josh and Jason Monday Christian and Conspiracy Podcast Show. I'm your host, Josh Monday. If you don't know me, I'm a Christian rapper, devoted husband, father, and army veteran. Uh, and I'd like to introduce you to my co-host. He's a Christian, devoted husband, and father. What's up, Jason? How's it going, brother? Uh, good afternoon, everybody. How's How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm really good. Hey, uh, well, let's introduce Dave first before we give the big announcement. So um, we have returning guest. Uh, he's already been on the show at least, I think, three times already uh, covering. And if you guys want to go back, listen to those shows because you'll get a lot of great information. And uh, it's Dave Gardner. How's it going, my brother? Hey, how are you guys doing? Glad to be back. Thank you for coming back. Um, Remember, Josh mentioned that he does use the Bible as a reference for any of the stuff that he talks about. So he doesn't just go out of some book that some guy written <laughs> 200 years ago. He, he goes strictly from the Bible. So it's hard yes. to argue. About so here's things. what here's what we have. Last week in our Revelation Roundtable, we had Ryan Peterson, Gary Wayne, and Scott Mitchell. All of them would be considered pre-millennialists. Uh, you know, and 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 basically, uh, that a premillennial is basically uh, Christian eschatology belief that Jesus will physically return to the earth, uh, the second coming before the millennial reign, and a literal thousand-year golden age of peace. Premillennialism uh, is based upon a literal interpretation of Revelation twenty-one through six. Okay, uh, I would consider Dave an all-millennialist. Okay which it teaches and believe that there will be no millennial reign of the righteous on the earth. All millennialists interprets the thousand years symbolically to refer either to a temporary bliss of souls in heaven before the general resurrection or the infinite bliss of the righteousness after the general resurrection. Uh, and it is basically uh, all millennial regards the thousand years mentioned in Revelation 20 as a symbolic number, not a literal description. Okay, and then there's a post-millennialist, which I'm not going to mention because uh, it has nothing to do with the, either of the, the people that were on. 
but post is basically uh holds the the uh that Christ established his kingdom on earth through his preaching and redemptive work in the first century. And then he equips his church with the gospel and powers the church by the spirit. Uh, and his post-millennialism is basically that it happens that Jesus's return happens after the millennial reign. So, yeah. So I just thought we, you know, we need to have, well, here's what we need to do. If you guys are pre-millennialists that are listening, or you believe the seven year tribulation and, and, you know, everything that we had on our, our last show, Listen to this one too, just so you get a different um, interpretation because uh, it's really, it's literally about people interpreting Revelation 20, uh, one through six or interpreting the seven year tribulation. Okay. Um, it's great to get all views, then pray to God and say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, please give me discernment. And then, and then God will guide you to, to, uh, to what, you know, what he, you know, what you should be uh, believing. So, uh, so let's, without further ado, uh, oh, also, we need to say thank you to every single person that has subscribed or all of our listeners. We just reached a thousand uh, subscribers on YouTube and that that's honestly all glory to God. And that's such a blessing. Everybody that's that's ever commented, liked or or followed or or on Instagram or on on YouTube and also on Apple. We just we love you guys and we appreciate your Apple or Spotify or any of those things. We really appreciate you guys and um, we're gonna try to bring you more awesome content and uh, this should be a great show. So, without further ado, we'll have Dave take over and uh, and uh, go ahead and uh, go through what he'd like to go through. Right. So uh, probably a pre-millennialist wrote that all millennial viewpoint because that's not not quite how it is. But post-millennial and all millennial are very similar in that Christ is reigning from the right hand of the Father, poured the Holy Spirit out, and his kingdom is here. He's just ruling from heaven. So the millennial kingdom, you know, there's only one kingdom in scripture in the Old Testament. You have the messianic kingdom, right? And in Daniel chapter two, you have you have the famous uh, vision of the, of the statue with the head of gold, silver, bronze, and iron. And in Daniel chapter two, verse 34, uh, it says, thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, which smote the image upon its feet that were of iron clay and broke them to pieces. And in verse 44, it says, and in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed and a kingdom that shall not be left to other people, but it will break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and stand forever. So this has to happen. We Most people understand that the legs are of iron are Rome. They stand for Rome. So in the days of Rome, you'd have to have the kingdom set up. And it was. Christianity basically uh, uh, took over the Roman Empire in the fourth century. Uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, you have the Davidic covenant. And it says, you know, uh, Nathan the prophet speaking to uh, David here and it says when thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers I will set up thy seed after thee which shall proceed out of thy bowels and will establish his kingdom he shall build a house for my name and will establish the throne of his kingdom forever verse 16 and thy house and thy kingdom shall be established forever and ever before thee thy throne shall be established forever so the keys here are in Daniel 2 in the days of those empires, which were the satanic empires of the of the Old Testament era. And, you know, with the statue in Daniel's time, it, it was Babylon, Persia, Greece, and then Rome. So in the days of Rome, it will set up a kingdom. And then the promise to David, it would be while he was sleeping with his fathers, 
his throne and kingdom is established. That's why Peter in Acts chapter two makes such a big deal out of David saying, we know where his sepulcher is. We know he's sleeping. Now is the day, right? So that that's the connection there. So amillennial and postmillennial are very similar. Uh, postmillennial seems to line up too much with the uh, new age expectation of a, of a golden age to come. Whereas amillennial view, you know, the kingdom coming for a time, I, I would have to say a thousand years is a symbolic of a very long extended time because we're past a thousand years already. So I can't take it literally. And then towards the end of that thousand years, Satan's let loose. Which is all the time, which is also the same time Satan's kingdom comes back, which is the beast of Revelation, right? That stands for Satan's kingdom that was destroyed back, you know, in 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 Daniel's vision. So it's defeated, but it comes back right at the end, towards the end. So I think we're in that time uh, today. So where uh, Satan is let loose, we're in that time yeah. today where Satan is let loose and he's deceiving the nations. I think, I believe so. I don't think you could look around and come to any other conclusion. And it's been a downhill trend since the age, probably the Renaissance and age of enlightenment. At that time, we've been in a, in a spiritual decline and obviously rapidly the last century, right? Oh, yeah, totally. But going back to that, before the age of enlightenment, before the American and French revolutions, you had the church and the kings reigning, right? The, the kings all confessed that Jesus Christ was the authority above them. Mm -hmm. And then modern day, nope, it's we the people, it's governments that are established by the people. No more kings, we don't want a Christian king, we're, we're gonna rule ourselves. Mm -hmm. So it's basically the Luciferian revolt here on earth is the equivalent. Yeah, like so, do, do what we think is right. Do what we think is right, not what we should be doing, which is right by doing what God says, be obedient to him, but not I'm learning a lot about that right now. It's 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 a good subject as well. That's that's, that's a good point right there. Really good point. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone does right in their own eyes. Yeah. So so modern Israel, where does modern Israel fit into this, right? And so if you go back to you know the 19th century. You had a Zionist movement, and uh, Theodore Herzl was probably one of the most uh, influential names at that time. He was late 19th century, and, uh, you know, he's credited as being, you know, he's not the only Zionist guy. There were plenty of rabbis before him, but he's credited with being the father of modern political Zionism. He formed the Zionist organization and promoted Jewish immigration to Palestine in an effort to form a Jewish state. So, so you have that. And, and the next thing on the timeline, 1917 is a, is a massive year, right? So if you think of 1917, which is the year of the Balfour Declaration to Lord Rothschild, right? Which, which promises uh, a Jewish Zionist uh, aspiration to set up a, a land in Palestine where the Jews could go, right? That was a uh, 1917 from Lord Balfour to Lord Rothschild, right? Mm. This is during the World War One, right? World War One is 1914, is 1914 and 1918, right? Yeah. And the United yeah. States does not join World War One until 1917. Now they join in April of 1917, and the date on the Balfour Declaration is November of 1917. But mm. there's a guy, there's a gentleman named uh, 
Benjamin Friedman, and he gave a speech in the Willard Hotel in 1961. And he, he was a high rank, you know, he was a, a very wealthy uh, Jewish guy who converted to uh, Catholic and then exposed the agenda. But he was high enough that he was in, uh, uh, not Roosevelt, uh, uh, one of the presidents that's there, I can't remember, but he, uh -huh. he was there with Colonel House and uh, Woodrow Wilson, right? Mm -hmm at that time so he heard he heard the wheels and deals that were being made and his claim is a one of the uh, supreme court justices who was jewish talked uh wilson into entering world war one mm. and the deal was you know the bankers the jewish bankers went to england and they said don't don't surrender don't give up because they were within a couple weeks of surrendering uh to the germans in world war one they said we'll we'll get United States into the war, you just give us Palestine. So anyway, that, that's Benjamin Friedman's story, and he goes through mm -hmm. that. You can find it on you can find it on YouTube. And we got to uh, understand 19th. that there's there's three powerhouses too. You know, like the the Vatican, and there's the London. Now I'm, ta I'm talking about the city of London, which is the bankers, and then America's like the military for I believe these the powerhouses. So what he's what Dave is talking about lines up perfectly where they would get. The United States military, which is you know one of the strongest, to get into this war, and that's coming from the Rothschilds and the bankers from the city of London, which is the Rothschilds. Which I'm not talking about London or England. I'm talking about the city of London, which there's Washington D.C., which is like a city that's not part of the United States. There's the city of London, which is not part of London or England. It's its own thing, just like the Vatican's is, is its own country, basically. So um, what Dave is saying, it lines up perfectly with. If you study these three eagles, okay, it's really interesting. But go go ahead, Dave. It's it, it's pretty interesting too that uh, one of the books of the Apocrypha, Second Ezra, since you say the three eagles, it has a uh, in chapters I think eleven through fourteen. It's got this eagle empire, and the author claims that the vision is the same as the vision of the beast in Daniel chapter seven, which would be mm. the same beast of Revelation chapter thirteen. Anyway, it's an eagle empire, and it has three eagle heads and a bunch of feathers and wings and stuff and gives some explanation. So uh, the apocryphal books were removed out of the King James Version in 1885, so pretty late on the timeline. So what else was happening in 1917, right? You have the Bolshevik Revolution, 1917 to 1923, where, you know, most people, I don't know, this would help with your dialectic today of, of Russia, China, or whatever. But the Wall Street bankers, they funded the Bolshevik Revolution, which was predominantly uh, Jewish, right? So it's 70 to 80% Jewish, the Bolsheviks. So you had the Bolshevik Revolution and it started in 1917, same, same time World War I is going on, same time as the Balfour Declaration. And also at the same time in America, you had the Schofield Bible, the second edition. The first edition came out in 1909. The second edition came out in 1917, right? Schofield Reference Bible, which is where you get uh, most of your dispensationalism today. Uh, Schofield, uh, Moody Bible Institute, uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, they were basically built off the notes in the Schofield Reference Bible. Mm. So, uh, so it's Schofield, like Schofield's interpretation of 
of Daniel nine twenty seven. A lot of people took that and just ran with it with these churches, or were they? Do you think? Yeah. They were, okay. It's not just Daniel nine twenty seven. It's the whole Bible. He's got notes through the whole thing, and okay. it's pretty bad. It's you know denying. The seminary schools were infiltrated by by the Schofield uh, from the Jesuits, basically, and were taught to train to teach this. Is that why it's it's so so? Taught uh, to Dallas, Dallas Seminary was funded by uh, Schaefer, who was the guy that immediately followed. Uh, Schofield. Schofield was a pastor in Dallas, and then Schaefer took over, started Dallas Theological Seminary. So they they make no secret about it. They teach dispensationalism. That's the only thing they teach. And you have a lot of famous guys that came out of Dallas Theological Seminary. You know, Chuck Swindoll, David Jeremiah, you know, J. Vernon McGee, John Woolrood, Dwight uh -huh. Pentecost, uh, Charles Ryrie. You know, uh, those are some pretty things. big names in the in the in the, oh, in yeah. the community of theology, man. Those are, I listen to that. Uh, what, what you, oh man, uh, McGee. yeah, the way he says, like, he's all in and Jerusalem. It's funny, I listen, <laughs> it's like he doesn't say it like everybody else. It's funny, it, it stands out when I listen to him. He's all in Jerusalem. I'm like, man, those, Vernon McGee. Yeah, uh, yeah, I like. So now you're going down. I mean, to this. this is why I never heard of 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 the uh, of the view from Dave. Dave, when I talked to him first, the very first episode, he called me and he was. I was just like, I don't. I never heard it. So we got to get him on the show. I need to hear it because it's like we need to hear these different views because pastors are just, you know, they're teaching the dispensationalists only, and you don't get to hear both views. So yeah, but when you, when you when you teach it that way. Like you said, you, it's kind of like a new age type of thing. You start getting like, I noticed that you said the Schofield Bible, right? So basically he took his interpretations of a lot of the Bible and he taught them. And it sounds like the like every four or 590 something years, something always happens to Israel, all this stuff. It's pretty interesting that it, when he talks about it, but if you don't do your own homework, you could be easily, you know, easily deceived because it just sounds really, really smart. Like someone really, really did their work on it. Then and I want to go with like kind of like Greg Laurie and those type of people. They go, here's our version of the New Testament. This is my version of the New Testament. I'm the editor of it. My name's on this book. And you hand it out to people, thousands of people, thousands of people at, at, uh, at Harvest. It's like that. Yeah. And I, I, when I, I went, I left Harvest that one time and I saw some guy in the front. He's like, Greg Laurie will get you sent to hell. He's he's gonna send you. Gonna, I'm like, man, why would he say that? I That's saw that guy too, bro. Yeah, I remember. And I was wondering, I'm like, why would he? Why would I see that right now? I just came from a wonderful sermon, all this stuff. I'm crying, and then I see this guy. I'm like, man, this guy's. What is he doing? And I started looking into it, and I was like, oh man, maybe that's why God showed me that because you read his version of the Bible, it's like there's no talk of the Old Testament. It's, like, it's just the New Testament, his version, and it's so watered down. It's just like, yo. You know, the Jesus movement, love, 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 love. Jesus is love. Yes, of course he is. But he came as love. He came as, you know, he came as first. But they didn't accept him. So now he's coming back as a, as, as a, as a, as a, as a really mad father. He's going to put people, you know, he's going to judge you. So I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't agree with what they do when they do that. They, they take versions of the, of the Bible and change it. And they just keep doing it, keep doing it. That's why sometimes I get a little nervous when you read the Bible, because what has been changed in there? What has been uh, uh, taken out, like you mentioned, the Apocrypha, why would you take that out? Uh, all the stories I've read in those books are just lined up, just like how the Bible is in, in uh, the King James Version. So I don't know. It's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty crazy when you think about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
it was in the King James version for for 400 years before they took it out. And who but, took uh, it out? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I thought uh, well, who 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 would take that out? Why would a lot of it sounds pretty uh, like they know who wrote it? Like, what'd you say, uh, Josh? Why they take stuff out of the Bible because it's the historicity. Not- they got to find out if the if they could track the author back to that time, you know, and they have to make sure that, you know, that's one of the reasons why, but, but these apocryphas are different. I'm talking about the book of Enoch and stuff like that, you know, like, but how do we know that wasn't a part of the apocrypha? Well, it probably was. I'm, I'm not, all I'm saying is like the book of Enoch for me is, 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 is it's an awesome book, but it's a, I think it's hard for them to track it back to Enoch. It might've been written by somebody, <laughs> but I don't know if it was written by Enoch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but once again, it's also translated by somebody else, and and then you get yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's hard. But anyways, to get- we'll get we'll get back to where you're going because you were on a good timeline. Now I'm, sure. I'm sorry, Adam, Dave. We don't need to talk about all that. Sorry. Yeah, so back in back in Schofield's time here, because he lines up with all this stuff. So you had the Balfour Declaration, you had the Bolshevik Revolution, you had World War One, and you had the Schofield Bible coming out, the second edition in 1917. And uh, there's a book called The Incredible Schofield in his book, written by Joseph Canfield. And he suggests the admission of the Schofield to the Lotus Club in New York, which would not have been sought by Schofield, strengthens the suspicion that has cropped up before that somebody was directing the career of C.I. Schofield, that someone Canfield suspects was associated with one of the club's committee members, the Wall Street lawyer named Samuel Otermeyer. As Canfield intimate uh, Schofield's theology was most helpful in getting fundamental Christians to the back the in- international interest in one of Untermeyer's pet projects, the Zionist movement. Others have been more explicit about the nature of Schofield's service to the Zionist agenda. In an unjust war theory, Christian Zionism and the road to Jerusalem, Professor David W. Lutz writes, Untermeyer used Schofield, a Kansas lawyer, with no formal training in theology to inject Zionist ideas into American Protestantism. Untermeyer and other wealthy influential Zionists whom he introduced to Schofield promoted and funded the latter's career, latter's career including travel to Europe. So he's, he's not a squeaky clean guy. He's got some pretty bad uh, associations there. So, so from there, obviously you get uh, you know, World War I, World War II, leading up to World War II in 1933, you had uh, you know, the Jews, they declared war against Germany. 1933, you know, uh, Hitler comes uh, to power, I think, 1933. And 1933 is also the year that the United States formally recognized the Soviet Union as a legitimate government, only 10 years after the Bolshevik Revolution was complete. Mm. Uh, that smells pretty bad because we know how many millions of people that uh, were murdered in in Russia there, you know, which was which was a, a Christian nation, you know, pretty much, you know, uh, Orthodox, Orthodox Christians. Christians. Yeah. Yeah. So, so also, also, I was going to add real quick. Uh, oh, actually, go ahead. And, and I'll just I'll talk once you go a little bit further, because I think it's a little well, bit that, further. That... Yeah, that's about it on the timeline. You get up to World War Two and out of World War Two, you have the United Nations and the birth of Israel in 1948. And so, uh, you know, my kind of concentration after that is going to be biblically, is is modern Israel the Israel of the Bible that people try to say it is? So, uh, you know, they try to say because modern Israel exists that the covenants haven't been fulfilled. The covenants that Peter and Paul specifically say are filled, 
you know, the specific covenant, Peter says, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, sitting on David's throne, Acts chapter 2, at Pentecost, right? So you have this, this inversion of theology that had not been taught for 1900 years, and it goes hand in hand with modern Israel, right? So you yeah. have them there. Oh, the kingdom hasn't come yet. Well, so, that's not what the church was teaching for 1900 years. You know? I have something to add. So also, if you guys look back, you know, it was Italy, um, Italy, Germany, and um, in Japan. Okay, that was the three. So Italy. So if you go back, you can see where Hitler was meeting with a bishop uh, of the Catholic Church, the Vatican, and they helped. They assisted to finance Hitler in the Third Reich. So this is something that has been stated in history. And right now they're currently uh, trying to pull up documents on this. And the Pope said, so you guys could go ahead and look back. It's Pope Pius XII, I believe, that was involved in this. So uh, I'm not saying that the Vatican were, were funding the, the Jews being you know killed in the Holocaust. They, were, they, they helped fund Hitler in the very beginning. Uh, so... It's kind of interesting. So you know that the New World Order was involved in, in pushing Hitler to try to do what he did and him, you know, maybe taking out the Jews in the Holocaust could have been uh, planned to start Israel by these guys. So I'm just saying, you know, if you look back in history, it's not what you think it is. And there was a lot of uh, stock market play where they, they you know, Jack Kennedy crashed the stock market and then the Vatican bought all these businesses at a low cost and then they made all this money off it. So there was a lot of stuff going on during the thirties and the 1918s and that he's talking about a lot of uh, bad, bad back build, backdoor deals. Well, happening. wasn't Hitler a, Hitler was a Catholic, wasn't he? He was a Catholic. And also yeah. when Rome split, Germany was, I think wasn't the Byzantine. And then Rome was the, like, cause when you, when you spoke about, Rome being the 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 legs of that statue, there's two legs. That means it's split, right? So they they both split, right? Is am I am I am I wrong or I think I'm, I'm I think I'm right? I don't know. I've heard it before. <laughs> I've heard it a few times. I read about it, but and and that's why maybe that's why they fund them because they're they were always they're always they're always been partners in this stuff. These people yeah. want is a lot of enemies of Israel want Israel gone. And when you mention that this might not be the same one in there. If you look at prophecy, you would get you would get messed up because they're fulfilling some of the prophecy, like in 1948 when Israel becomes a nation. There's certain things that have to happen. 1967, Jerusalem becomes a, a state. So yeah. yeah, but they have to be a There's they have to be uh, military wise and all that stuff, and they're all doing that now. They're like very Israel's pretty high up there in the in their in their military. But if let me ask you, uh, Dave, if that's not the uh, if it's not modern uh, Israel, where do you think, where would you think that Israel would be right now then? If it, if that, if that's uh, theory is true. Spiritual Israel. Well, the church, the, the scripture is pretty clear, you know, uh, Galatians 6, 15 through 16, that says, uh, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything, but a new creature in Christ. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, the Israel of God. So there is, in the New Testament, you get the Israel of God is Jew and Gentile in Christ. In the New Testament, you do not get two separate people. You get one people, 
right? You go through Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22, and Paul says it about eight times in there. He's made both Jew and Gentile one new man, right, in himself. He's torn down the partition between the two and made one new man. So that's what you get over and over. I don't think they're they're trying to sell that they're fulfilling prophecy, but they're not. I mean, well, that's what I mean. Know, like they're trying to trick you by doing that. Of course, Jack Hibbs is is goes out there and blasphemes the name of Christ every week by by saying Isaiah 66, 8 is a fulfillment of a new nation born in one day. Well, you go one verse up and it says a man child, Christ, who's going to rule the world with with a rod of iron, right? You connect that to Revelation chapter 12. The nation born in one day is the nation born at Pentecost. It's the seed of Christ. So if you, you know, the dispensationalists will like to say, uh, if you bless them, you'll be blessed. If you curse them, you'll be cursed. And they say, well, that applies to the modern day state of Israel. Now, Israel, the, the, the nation of Israel hadn't existed since 722 BC, right? The 10 northern tribes were, were conquered by the Assyrian Empire and Sennacherib and carried off never to return. The southern kingdom of Judah lasted to 586, got smashed by Nebuchadnezzar and, and the Babylonians. They got carried off to captivity for 70 years. Then they returned, but they returned. They were no longer an independent nation. They were always under, they were under the Persian authority, then the Greek authority, then the Roman authority, and they were the province of Judea. They were never called Israel. So the fact that they're using the name Israel today is, is a little bit of a, a, you know, not, not too honest there, right? The 10 Northern tribes never returned. That's not full Israel. That name also, hadn't been used since 722 BC. Which, and then also, um, would, uh, how could I, how could I <laughs> form this question? Um, actual true hebrew israelites do you think that they look like the people that are at in israel right now or do you believe that they're darker in color well i, I there's been some genetic stuff and and you know you don't know what to find but you have to ask yourself we're under the new covenant and if you're under the new covenant does skin color matter at all no because it over it's and just... over and over paul says jew and gentile are one in christ yeah. you who were formerly aliens to the commonwealth of israel are brought nigh by the blood of christ so <clears throat> the only the only israel that can exist is through jesus christ and that's it so if you go to uh, genesis 12 3 god says to abraham i will bless them that bless thee and curse thee that curse thee and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed genesis 18 18 and 22 18 also say god saying to abraham through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Genesis 17, 7, he says, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant, everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee, okay? So here's where the New Testament, Jesus and the New Testament authors, they interpret this for us. And if you don't let Jesus interpret it, then, then you don't have the key to the kingdom. So Paul in Galatians chapter three interprets it for us. He says, even as Abraham believed in God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith 
preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. So that blessing, Paul says, is the gospel. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Verse 16, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not to seeds of many, but seeds of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Wherefore then serveth the law, verse 19, it was added because of the transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. So Paul's saying that was Christ. The promise is Christ, and it's gospel. So in verse 26, for you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ and put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, right? So the blessing to Abraham was the gospel through one seed, which is Christ, and whoever believes in him has faith in him, whether Jew or Gentile, they are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to promise. That's Galatians 3. So Paul interprets it for us, not some Zionist lawyer. Yeah. So, so what dispensationalism teaches is that Israel and the church are separate. And they, a lot of them talk about how, how God is not finished with Israel yet. But what, what you just like told me now made me think like, well, then, like you said, we are all part of that covenant. So there is no more Israelite and, 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 and no Jew or, or, or Gentile. As long as you, as long as you, uh, you know, under you do Christ. follow the gospel. What's up? As, as long as you're under Christ, you know, a follower yeah, so of Christ, are, an actual so follower that, of Christ. So then, it yeah. is the same thing. But what they teach you <clears throat> is that they're different. And then that's why you, I think that's where you get this kind of like where other nations don't like them because they're like, these are, this is all, oh, these are the chosen people. No, we are all the chosen people. You don't go to hell for sinning. You go to hell for rejecting the remedy for sin. So that, that, that is, that is a good point, Dave, man. I never thought about it like that. Again, what's, it, right now I'm all. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's the New Testament. Yeah, it's the New Testament interprets the Old Testament. And you'll see here where it's deadly, where if you don't do that, it's it's just deadly. So Romans 9, 6, not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither are they the seed of Abraham, are they called children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Mm. So Romans 11 is a famous chapter that dispensationalists like to use. But you got to go Romans 9 through 11, and then you'll get the context. Because the olive tree in Romans 11, what does the olive tree represent? Hold on. Let's, uh, let's read it. I'll read it real well, quick, and then, and then we'll answer it. Because I don't <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to read the whole thing because it's super okay. long, but basically you have the olive tree, which which is going to represent Christ. And the believing branches of the Jews are not broken off. The unbelieving branches are broken off. And then the believing branches from the wild olive tree, which is the Gentiles, they're grafted in. And if the unbelieving Jews continue not in their unbelief, then they're grafted back in. So it has to do with belief in Christ again. So it's it's the same concept. The problem is when you get to the end of it, when you get to the end of Romans 11, in verse 20, well, I'm going to start at the beginning here because I want to point out a couple of things. In verse 1, Paul says, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid, because I am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham and the tribe of Benjamin. So he's saying, no, 
I'm an Israelite and I believe, you know. So he says, God hath not cast away his people that he foreknew, right? Verse four, and what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image bow. Even so then at this present time, there is also a remnant according to the election of grace, right? So it's always a remnant. Where you have trouble is if you drop down to verse 25. Uh, I kind of summarized uh, the, the chapter there just a couple minutes ago. For I would not that you. I don't want to uh, interrupt real quick, but you mentioned Ishmael, the seed of Abraham, the the flesh seed of uh, of the the seed of the flesh. Wouldn't Ishmael be a type of the seed of the flesh because it wasn't? Yeah. That be yeah. Nice? So so uh, there's a really good book uh, written by uh, John Reisinger, and it's called Abraham's Four Seeds, and he goes through the four different types of seeds. Because you can have, you know, the seed of the flesh, which would be Ishmael and Isaac, but then Isaac is the seed of the promise. And then you have, you know, the, the special seed, which is Christ. And then you have the spiritual seed, which is, which is us, which we were just talking about. It's a good book, though, for the four seeds of Abraham by John Reisinger. Thanks, man. So in, in Romans 11, 25, you know, and you get the concept here of the olive tree and the unbelieving branches are broken off. Okay, don't forget that. Uh, that part right there, because I'm going to tie that into a couple other spots. Mm. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, verse 25, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. People think that's the end of the church age. And so all Israel will be saved. See, there's your buzzword Israel, you know, like, you know, people always have their buzzwords, they get all excited. So, oh, well, here it is. Here it is right here. As it is written, so he's quoting out of the prophet Isaiah, right? And have you ever had a pastor tell you where he, where Paul's quoting from here? And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. So the deliverer obviously is Christ. It sounds like the cross here, but... You have to go and read the chapters where Paul is quoting from, and he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 59, and he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 27, and the inspired apostle takes and he mixes two of those passages together, so you have to understand what he's talking about here, and uh, Isaiah I'll read 59? Isaiah, 59, Isaiah 59 verse 20 through 21. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. Isaiah 27, very famous chapter. It's the chapter of the Leviathan, the serpent from the sea, the dragon from the sea, right? What do you get in the book of Revelation? A dragon, a, a, a beast with seven heads and ten horns that comes out of the sea, and the dragon with seven heads and ten horns that represent Satan, the devil, is in Revelation chapter 12. But if you drop down to is verse... Isaiah 27, 11, is that what you said? Yeah. Uh, 27, drop down to verse 9. By this, therefore... So we're going to find out what this is. By this, therefore, shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged. And this is all the fruit to take away his sin. When, this is when... He maketh all the stones of the altar as chalk stones that are beaten asunder. The groves and the images shall not stand up, yet the defense city shall be desolate. 
the habitation forsaken and left as a wilderness. So this is the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. By this, Jacob's iniquity will be purged, right? So if you go, if you go to uh, Matthew, see if I find it here. I'm just kind of copying and pasting these verses so I could go through them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I usually sit on my phone and thumb through them, but I had so many, I wanted to print them out, but uh, oh, yeah, it's, I know, I know it's sometimes I'm, I'm like, I have so many notes that when I'm doing a podcast, I'm like, Oh, I like someone yeah, will talk and I get, right. Oh no, I can't go back to it. I don't even remember where I'm at. Yeah, I get it. But printing so, out is probably a lot better. <laughs> so if out. you, you know, the Matthew 24 is the all of the discourse. Uh, the futurists are going to say that's all about the end times. Uh, well, the church taught all the way up until futurism was invented what it literally says it's okay, literally so, about and guys if you go back to the revelation roundtable you hear gary wayne talking about from matthew 24 <laughs> it's what we right. need to read for the end times which and, and so, i respect everybody like i said I, I i respect everybody singing this is just a different interpretation of this so guys it's good to get different interpretations so let's, but jesus uh, expects these his people yeah. to know this verse in the word yeah so i'm going to connect romans 11 with Isaiah 27 and back to the Olivet Discourse, but you have to start back in Matthew 21. Okay, so if you Matthew get Matthew 24, or Matthew 21, Matthew 21, okay. starting in verse 33, you have the uh, parable of the vineyard, right? He loans the vineyard out. He sends them prophets. They 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 beat him up. He says, "Last of all, I'll send his son. They will reverence my son." But when the husbandmen saw the son, he, they said amongst themselves, this is the heir, come, let's kill him and seize his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord, therefore, the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto these husbandmen? And they said unto him, he will miserably destroy these wicked men and lend out his vineyard unto other husbandmen and shall render him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said unto them, do you never read the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected, the same as the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bearing forth the fruits thereof. And whoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but whoever it shall fall on will grind it to powder. Remember what we just read in Daniel chapter 2, the stone that was cut out of the mountain ground up the kingdoms and turned them to chaff right so guys and you got to understand chief cornerstone is jesus christ obviously i know people probably already know that but he's talking but he's, about those rejecting jesus yeah. is what he's saying but he mentioned and the groves and the yeah yeah, yeah. i'm too. just saying who's rejecting jesus right now obviously you guys know who's rejecting jesus i don't need to say it right well <laughs> and you know who yeah, you are exactly. <laughs> but he said he said here in verse uh 43, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given yes. to a nation bearing the fruits thereof. So it's given to a new nation. Who is this new nation? Us. Well, Peter Peter tells us, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, and to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. You also as lively stones are built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And here he's going to use the same language Jesus used. Wherefore, it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious. He that believeth on him should not be confounded. Right? That's uh, I think that's Isaiah 28, 14 he's quoting from. 
Unto you, therefore, who believe he is precious, unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same as made the head of the corner, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, right? A peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. This is the Israel of God, Jew and Gentile in Christ. Yeah, at the end of uh, Matthew 21, at the very, very bottom, guys, uh, after he gets done with the parable that, that Dave was just talking about, it says, now when the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived it that he was speaking to them of them. Right. And that's who he is speaking of is what Dave is saying. The people that are in Israel right now that are rejecting the cornerstone, Jesus. So I've always thought in my head, Dave, like back, back, even since I've been a kid, like, dang, how could they be God's chosen people if they don't believe in Jesus? Because John three 16 says, you know, you have to believe in Jesus to have, you know, everlasting life, you know, Whoever should believe it, you know, whoever believed in them shall have everlasting life. I'm like, how could they be the chosen people of God if they don't believe in Jesus? Like, that's even as a kid, I thought that. Like, how would they be? Because every, you know, obviously I, I attend Calvary Chapel and and I've always been taught that they're the chosen people, but I was always like uh thinking, like, how could they be if they don't believe Jesus is 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 the Messiah or the Son of God? Like, and and it's interesting that you just said that very verse and it says right there that those Pharisees even perceived it as he was speaking of them. And that's exactly who Jesus was speaking of. Right. So you can connect it to today, the Pharisees, you know, that are there right now rejecting yeah. Jesus. Well, it's, it's the same. It's the same. They haven't gone anywhere. And first John two twenty two says, who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is antichrist that denieth the father and the son. Whosoever denieth the son, the same hath not the father. But he that acknowledges the son hath the father also. Yeah. So if you deny the son, you are antichrist. Wow. But the, but the Pharisees, they, uh, they, they were, they were, they they read the Bible. They knew the scripture. They, they knew that that the return of the Messiah was going to end their whole reign of anything. No more, no more being the top dogs. No more financial gain. No, there were a political, financial. All they were on that platform. That's they worried about. So when when you when you say that they didn't believe because they didn't believe because they didn't want to. They were believed because they were afraid they were going to get all that stuff taken away. They were so part of the world that they weren't. They weren't part of. They weren't part of the promise. They they were part of the flesh. Well, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Good point, Jason, because uh, in Matthew 21, the parable of the vineyard there, Jesus basically says to them, you you know who I am, because they said, here is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. Yeah. So if you if you jump down to Matthew uh, chapter 23, chapter 23, you get the woes to the Pharisees. And I'm just going to start in verse 29 at the last one. Okay. So he says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you build because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchers of the righteous and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. 
Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourself that you are children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up the full measure of your fathers. Now think back to Romans chapter 11. By this, the iniquity of Jacob shall be purged, okay? Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets, right? Stephen, hmm. and wise men, and scribes. Some of them you shall kill and crucify, and, and Saul of Tarsus before he was converted, right? Some you will kill and crucify. Some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barcaeus, whom you slew between the temple of the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. This generation upon your heads is coming the blood. Mm. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often I would have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. desolate. Mm. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till you shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So you just had this indictment. He just said, all the blood from Abel to Zacharias is coming upon your heads in this generation. This precedes the Olivet Discourse, and there's no chapter breaks and verse breaks in, in the Bible. We put those in later. So the very next verse, Matthew 24, verse 1, And Jesus went out, departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Mm. So this chapter all the way up to verse 36, when it says, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled, is not about the end times. It's about judgment on that generation. And I encourage everybody to study Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, side by side, because Luke gives you a little more detail because he's writing his gospel to a Gentile audience. Mm. He tells you what the desolation of abomination of a desolation is. He says, when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them that are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let them that are in the midst of it depart out. Let them that are in the countrysides enter in too. For these be the days of vengeance when all these things are written may be fulfilled. I'm going to show you one of those. In, it's in Deuteronomy chapter 28 in the curse of the old covenant here in a minute. But woe to them that are with child and give suck to them in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people, right? It's coming on your heads, it's coming on this people, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword, shall be led away into captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Verse 32, verily I say unto you, this generation will not pass till all these things come true to all these things be fulfilled right so if you go to deuteronomy chapter uh, 28 29 you'll get the curses of the old covenant right and i'm just going to shorten it up i'm not going to read the whole thing but if you guys ever wondered woe to the the women who give suck in those days woe woe to them that have little babes here's the reason why Deuteronomy 28, verse 15, but it shall come to pass if there will not hearken the voice of the Lord thy God to observe all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. 
Moreover, all these curses, verse 45, shall come upon thee, shall pursue thee, and overtake thee, till you be destroyed, because thou hearkest not unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which he commanded thee. Verse 49, the Lord shall bring a nation against thee from afar, from the end of the earth, as swift as an eagle, right, Rome, a nation whose tongue thou do not understand, a nation with fierce countenance, which shall not regard the person of old, nor show favor to the young. Verse 52, he shall besiege thee in thy gates until thy high and fenced walls come down, wherein thou trusted throughout thy land. He shall besiege thee in all thy gates throughout thy land, which the Lord had God had given thee. And thou shalt eat the fruit of thine own body, the flesh of thy sons and daughters, which the Lord thy God had given thee in the siege and in the straightness, wherein thine enemies shall distress thee. So that he will not give any of them the flesh of his children, whom he shall eat, because he hath nothing left with him in the siege and the straightness, wherein thine enemies shall distress in all thy gates. Uh, verse 57, for she shall eat and for want all things secretly in the siege and straightness, wherein the enemy shall distress thee in thy gates. Right? She's going to eat her children. If thou will not observe all the words of this law, which are written in the book, that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God. Uh, in, I think it's Luke chapter 23, where Jesus is dragging the cross through Jerusalem, and the women are weeping, and he turns to them and he says, you know, daughters of Rachel, weep not for me, weep for yourselves, because he says, what's coming down children. upon you guys. Yeah. Yourselves and for your children. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So this is why this is the curse of the old covenant. Um, another spot that is very important that people need to understand is Acts chapter three, <clears throat> verse 22. Okay. It, and uh, can I, I'm going to finish reading that uh, chapter that you're talking about. And <clears throat> it says, for indeed the days are coming in which they will say, blessed are the barren wombs and never bore in breasts, which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and the hills cover us, for they do these things in the greenwood uh, will be done and dry. So I don't know. I just thought. Well, because during these siege, dude, <clears throat> these, these these people that, that have babies like that, they're going to be eating their children. They'll be committing a, a horrible thing. So when you're forced to do that, you're going to you're you're probably going to be in big trouble with the big man upstairs for that. And 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 that that does. That sucks, man. That really does. That's a that's a sad thing to think about. You know, that's that's uh that's horrible. That's a horrible thing yeah. to be driven to eat your own child because you're so hungry. It was it was uh, if you read if you get uh, Josephus's book Wars of the Jews, he was a eyewitness account captured by the Romans. He was a Pharisee and he recorded the whole uh, three and a half year war and the culmination of the destruction of Jerusalem. And he records the women, a woman cooking her children, right? I mean, it was a horrible, they put them under siege for five or six months before they ever entered into the city. And if anybody tried to escape out, they would crucify them on the spot, right? The people. And I think they estimated 600,000 people, something like that, died in the siege before the army even went into the city. And then afterwards, Josephus, he, he estimates 1.1 million were killed because it was during Passover. So the city was shut up during Passover. And 90,000 lived through and were sold off into captivity. Okay. Wow. So pretty, pretty high death rate there. And that yeah. was, that was the judgment upon the old covenant. The churches today do not teach the theological significance of the destruction of Jerusalem. Yeah. Jesus is love, but he's the King 
And these be the days of vengeance. Another place is Luke 19, verse 41. He says, and this is on Palm Sunday. When he came near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou had known, even thou, at least this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but are now hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee, that thy enemy shall cast a trench around thee, compass thee round, keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. So when you go to Romans 11, the way that Jacob's iniquity is purged is this destruction. So God, God's judgment on apostate uh, Israel, that, that was done at that time. What's going to happen at the end of the church age is his judgment coming upon apostate Christianity. That's the harlot in Revelation chapter 18 that gets burned to the ground, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to realize what you're dealing with. We're under the new covenant. We're not under the old covenant. The old covenant was over. The, the book of Hebrews and the book of Galatians pretty much puts a stake in that. And, and then you got to realize that God brings judgment down upon his people who, who don't uh, serve him, right? He destroyed Jerusalem 586, destroyed it in 70 AD. So, so you have that connection. Another connection I want to make, you know, Jesus says, you know, he told the Pharisees that, that Moses is your accuser, you know. And Peter tells you exactly where, Acts chapter 3, verse 22, he says, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him you shall hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. Now, if you go to John chapter 4, you get the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, right? She's talking to Jesus. Hey, give me some of this living water. You know, and he says, you know, when this, you know, she said, when the Messiah comes, he will tell us all things. Where does she get that from? Well, she gets it right out of the teachings of Moses, right? This, this is where she gets it from right here. So it shall come to pass, verse 23, that every soul which shall not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. If you don't listen to Jesus, you will be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. You are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your father, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. So you can listen to Jesus. You can accept the gospel. And you can be saved. And the early Christians, they saw the sign in 66 AD of the Roman army that came the first time, and they got out of town. They went across the Jordan River to Decapolis, and they escaped the destruction of Jerusalem because they had the Olivet Discourse, and they weren't futurists. They, were, they knew that he meant this generation and this temple. That's literal. That's the literal interpretation. This temple that's standing here is coming down. So where, where uh, Peter's quoting from is Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18 and 19. I will raise up to them a prophet from their brethren like thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them as I shall command him. And whatever man shall not hearken to whatever words that prophet shall speak in my name, I will take vengeance upon him, right? Luke, these be the days of vengeance when all these things be fulfilled, right? Luke 21, all of the discourse. So... You have those witnesses, uh, Isaiah 65, 15, and you shall leave your name for a curse unto my chosen, for the Lord 
God shall slay thee and call his servants by another name, by another name, right? They were called Christians first at Antioch, right? So if you connect this stuff up, you will see that that they had a choice and they had to make a choice before 70 AD. They were either saved, they were part of the remnant, or they were destroyed in the destruction of Jerusalem and carried off into captivity, right? Their old covenant system came down. There is no Moses system with no temple and animal sacrifices. They, they created a new religion called Judaism. They they made it up after the time of christ that so and and you know they followed the talmud the zohar and and that stuff so the group today they don't follow moses they don't follow the religion of moses they they made up their own one and it's basically it's mystery babylon right they follow the kabbalah mm. I, have, I, have, I have something i have something to ask um it, since uh there's no there's no blood sacrifice for the jewish people for for the ones that are still under the old testament how, how how do you remissions for their sins nowadays how does that's why they changed their thing over to uh, what you said judaism because there's no there's no remission for sin without sacrificing something for your sin they got rid of that yeah the, the book of hebrews the book of hebrews takes that one up pretty good uh you know so when you let me go to Hebrews. Really well, how do they get here. forgiven for their sins? So the, the Jewish Jewish people, Israelites back then, they 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 were sacrificing. You know, God had, had sacrificed the, <clears> the, the best. There is not. There's the new yeah, covenant. But, yeah, yeah. But they believe Jesus that there's said, still. Yeah, Jesus said in in Matthew twenty six twenty eight, he says, "This is my blood of the new testament, or the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins." Right? Hebrews ten nine through ten, he says. Then he said, lo, I come to do my will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all, right? Once for all, for saints of the Old Testament, saints of the New Testament, uh, that was it. So, and I, I would argue, my argument for Romans 11 of the blindness, the blindness was there as long as Jerusalem and the temple were there, okay? Those were removed. So I say the blindness, I mean, obviously we see a group of people that calls themselves Jews today, but most of them aren't even following Judaism. They're, they're about 90% atheist in yeah. Israel, you yeah. know, yeah. so, That's true. you know, it, but, it, but they, they created, <laughs> they created an earthly counterfeit, the Illuminati did so that they could say that the covenants of God have not been fulfilled and Jesus didn't bring the kingdom yet because he didn't fulfill it to that Israel. You know, but what are we reading here? We have the witness of Moses. We have the witness of Peter. We have the witness of Paul. If you don't, if we have the witness of Jesus, if you don't listen, you're going to be destroyed, right? So in Matthew, you know, we have the, the uh, witness of John the Baptist, because this ties right into the, the tree in Romans 11 and to uh, the tree and the chalk stones and all that in uh, Isaiah chapter 27. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7, then when he, John the Baptist, saw many Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, right? The wrath to come would be the destruction of Jerusalem. Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance, and think to say not within yourselves, we have Abraham our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children to end to Abraham. 
And now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth forth not fruit, bringeth forth good fruit, is hewn down, cast into the fire, which bringeth not forth good fruit, cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat to the garner, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So there you go. The believing branches broke off, cast into the fire. Jesus says, John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me as I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit in itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch is withered. Men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Right? So you, you have all those witnesses. So biblically, he's telling you, and, and the culmination, you, you see that this generation, if you, if you do a search on generation, that word generation in the Gospels, and specifically Matthew, you'll come up and you'll understand that judgment was coming upon that generation. That's when Daniel's 70th week runs out. Like Daniel, you have 77s are determined on you and your people, 490 years right to make remission for sin set up everlasting righteousness and all those things listed in daniel 9 24 that's the gospel the messiah is coming and the destruction of jerusalem is the culmination and ending of that prophecy hmm. acts chapter 2 is again we go back and uh peter's connecting the davidic covenant fulfillment to the resurrection of christ and he's talking two Jews in Jerusalem at Pentecost, right? Which is another another point is people, I think the dispensationalists, they run kind of to two places. They run to Romans 11 and they run to Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, which says, I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplications. And they shall look on me whom they have pierced and shall mourn for him as one mourneth of his only son. And there shall be bitterness in him one that is in bitterness of his firstborn, right? Well, when did the spirit get poured out? Pentecost, right? Peter doesn't quote from Zechariah, but he says this is what the prophet Joel spoke of, Joel chapter two. He's coming before the great day of the Lord, which is the destruction of Jerusalem. Not every time, like when I was a dispensationalist, you, you thought day of the Lord always meant the second coming. If you study the Old Testament prophets, day of the Lord is when judgment comes. There was a day of Lord on Babylon. There was a day of the Lord on, on uh, Egypt. There was a day of, in, in I think, uh, Isaiah chapter 13. So you have Isaiah 13's Babylon. But there's a day of the Lord there, and you have the sim symbolism of the sun, the moon, the stars, the heavens shaking, and all that with the, with the destruction of Babylon by the, the Medo-Persians. Tells you who's being destroyed and by whom. And it gives you that symbolic language. So the, the dispensationalists say they're literalists, but they're not. They literally don't accept that it's about that temple there. They literally don't accept it's about that generation. They want to literally see the symbolism fulfilled literally, 
<laughs> so yeah. so the clear stuff they dismiss it's the symbolic stuff oh well you know i haven't seen the sun go out and you know the sky rolled up as a scroll and all that stuff but next chapter two you have the spirit poured out right and i'm going to I'll close kind of the scripture reading up with this, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 29. Men and brethren, Peter's saying, let me speak of you freely of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us to this day. Because remember, the Davidic covenant had to come to pass while David was sleeping, not after he was resurrected in a pre-millennial pre millennial future kingdom, right? Has to come while David's sleeping with his fathers. Therefore, being a prophet, knowing that God had sworn an oath to him that the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He seeing this, therefore, spake of the resurrection of Christ. So he's saying Christ being raised up from the grave, ascended to the right hand of the father is the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. So Peter is interpreting for us, just like Paul was interpreting Abraham's promise in Galatians chapter three. New Testament interprets the Old Testament. And it exclusively, that's the only way you can do it, because they tell you, if you don't listen, Moses says, if you don't listen to the prophet coming, you will be destroyed from among the people, right? So his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witness. Therefore, being at the right hand of God, exalted, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which you now see and hear poured out the Holy Ghost. These guys are speaking in uh, lang foreign languages, the wonderful works of God, right? Mm -hmm. So he's saying this is proof of him. This is the spirit being poured out. <clears throat> For David has not ascended into the heavens, but he saith to myself, and he quotes Psalm 110, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Right? Pricked to the heart. They will look on me whom they have pierced and shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. So they're pricked to the heart. What shall we do? Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward or wicked generation save yourselves from this generation right that's that this generation again peter's evoking that same that same phrase that that jesus used in the gospels so the israel of god is only those in christ it's a new covenant and anybody that accepts christ believes in him receives remission of the sins and the holy ghost so it doesn't matter if you're jew or gentile you know, in Acts chapter one, the apostles said, well, now you restore the kingdom to Israel. You know, this is before the Holy Ghost was, you know, able to lead them into truth. And he said, the times and seasons is not for you to know, but you will be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. Right. Quoting right out of Psalm chapter two, that I put my king on my holy hill, Zion. I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost ends of the earth for thy possession kiss the son now while his anger is kindled a little right blessed are all they who put their trust in him 
So you have all those connections in the scripture. Know, know your Old Testament. Know your New Testament. The New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. It's shadow and type in the old. It's the fulfillment in the new. Jesus is all-powerful, and he took down, he, he defeated Satan at the cross, bruised the head of the serpent, right? And he also did two other things, because when you see the head wound, of the beast in revelation chapter 13 that was healed that beast stands for the empires of satan from the time of israel right it, he saw a head wound that was healed well revelation chapter 17 gives you the seven heads and it says five have already passed five have passed one now is so head number six is rome right so count them out from the time of israel you have egypt assyria Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome's number six, right? So the head wound that was healed, you have the seventh head, and then you have some weird dark delight thing where you have this eighth head, but he's of the seventh. Hmm. In Romans chapter 16, verse 20, he says to the people in Rome, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So Psalm 110, okay, it's seven verses. That is the most quoted. Verse 1 and 2 are the most quoted verses by the New Testament authors. Psalm 110 is a, is a micro uh, encapsulation of the church age, okay? So you don't lay Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. You know, Daniel's 70th week is not the book of Revelation. Psalm 110 is. He has a day of power and a day of wrath. So Revelation is the book of the king ruling and reigning and sending out judgment. And some some of it's uh, probably pretty hard to come to terms by a lot of people. Because I think the beast, I think the beast is definable by the doctrines in the New Testament. So when Satan's empire comes back up, you know, what would you see? What were his empires, right? The last one to go down was Rome, right? So, you know, you, you read, you know, if, if you read, uh, I, I read both sides of everything, right? Manly P. Hall has a book called The Secret Destiny of America. Yep. He said that uh, the American democracy was the universal plan. Mm -hmm. He said that the church, which would have been the, the Catholic church of the first millennium, right? Uh, the great schism that broke Eastern and Western church apart was in 1054. Said the church persecuted the pagan uh, philosophies so they had to go underground in secret societies and reclothe their their pagan philosophy in christian phraseology right mm -hmm. that's manly p hall that said that wow manly so, p hall guys yeah that is the 33 <laughs> so, degree mason freemason and he's a he's one of their big uh uh 33 yeah, we, Mason. So if you guys check that out, that, that's a subject for a whole nother show, Josh, yes. but you guys did one on, on the founding fathers and the symbolism. But yeah. if you actually go into the documents, into the declaration of independence, into the U S constitution, you'll find that it's absolutely opposite of what the Bible says. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So if you go down and there's something called the council of 33, uh, you know, that, which is, which is, um, Oh, I can't remember what the building is called, but it's uh it's in Washington D.C. Uh, Supreme Council of Thirty Three building, I guess it is. And there's like a 
if you, if you go downstairs, there's somebody that actually went downstairs and they saw like an altar that it, it's built to. It's the same altar that the Jews used to used to sacrifice animals on, but it's like a smaller version of it. And they have, uh, you know, they have the Talmud, uh, the Torah, uh, the Quran, and the Bible sitting on it, right? And it's and, and you're it is, you're talking about the Freemason Temple in Washington D.C. Yes, the Freemason okay. Temple, which is like the main. So what I what I'm what I'm getting at is. They're trying to make a one world religion, right? That's that's what they want to do. They they want to suppress Christianity and make a one world religion. So, uh, my question would be, uh, is that why they're trying to? Um, do you think that's the reason behind this, or what's the reason behind them uh, creating this? Is it is it so that they have a, a somewhere for us to concentrate on? So they they have all these they fulfill all these prophecies. So we we believe it's happening and. When the second coming of Christ comes, we're not going to be able to recognize it. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think that I think that's exactly what it is. I have, that's what I feel too, dude. That uh, that they do that, like they change, like they change the dates in history, change the way we, uh, like three hundred sixty-five days, you know, like a year and stuff like that. They change it all. They, they we celebrate Jesus' birthday in December, but like you said about taking the pagan uh, beliefs and putting them into Christianity, like Constantine did the same thing. He took all the religions and said they're all legal, just as long as you you follow, uh, you're, you're a Christian as well. Basically, check your faith at the door, and you can't do that. You cannot be one side and, and hot and, and cold at the same time. It's not how you're supposed to be. God God respects you if you're fully cold. If you, that's your choice. You're, you know, you gird up your loins, you're the man. That's whatever. You made your choice. Sorry. But if you're, if, if you want, if you're all in on God and, and, and his word, you'll be blessed and, and there's promises in that too but if you don't listen like i was thinking about election and stuff like that because like when you when you think about it he always says he who has an ear let him hear so if you hear and, and you're spiritual you're probably elected and god's gonna be you're gonna go his way anyways but the ones that totally just you know just disregard that the bible or any of this stuff exists you're, you're crazy you're very crazy that, that, like you said, the Council of 30, 33, Masons, uh, Illuminati, people like, man, you're crazy. You're crazy to think about that stuff. You think there's like people trying to run the, yes, because Nimrod did the same thing. He was a mighty hunter of men. He kept, kept men inside of his thing and made them basically do like what we do. We work for the, we work for the, the worldly things. We work for material things. Most of our minds aren't on, uh, on God all the time. And if you're not on God, you're thinking about something else. Like you said, they're trying to make you think about something else and look at something else. Like, hey, man, who cares if he's a Muslim or, or he's, he's, he's Islamic or he's, you know, Catholic or whatever. They all change the, 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 the names and the stuff like that to just to suit their, their needs of their religion. But it's, it's not, that's not the way you're supposed to do it. It's, it's, that's, that's basically your blasphemy and you're blaspheming what God's way to worship him is. He wants you to worship him in a certain way. Yeah, that's why he did it to Adam and so, Eve. So, do you think that maybe the point of this is to get uh, like Jews and Christians and maybe like a universal religion together? Because I've I've noticed a lot on um, stations that do have dispensational preachers, you hear like Jewish uh, rabbis from uh, Israel come on and say that you know we all need to be together. And I'm not saying that it's bad for Christians and and Jewish people to worship together. I'm not saying that, but they're not. I mean. Well, it is kind of bad because they're not accepting Jesus as, as Lord and Savior. So when you start mixing, blending those two together, uh, you know, 
you know, it's two different beliefs. Okay. Like, like you, you gotta be either for Jesus or not, you know, you can't be, uh, you gotta be for Jesus Christ or not. So but that's what, what do the, you new think the reason is? for this is, uh, Dave, what, what is it? Like, what, why are they doing this? So, so if you go back to Albert Pike's letter, right. In 1871, he goes through the three world war scenarios and you'll realize that political Zionism is the center of the whole idea. But in the end, World War III, it says, must be fomented to take advantage of the differences between the agenter of the Illuminati, between the political Zionists and the leaders of the Islamic world. The war must be conducted in such a way that Islam and political Zionism, the state of Israel, mutually destroy each other. Meanwhile, the other nations, once more divided on that issue, will be constrained to fight to the point of complete physical, moral, spiritual, and economical exhaustion. We shall unleash the nihilists and the atheists and shall provoke a formidable social cataclysm, which in all its horror will show clearly to the nations the effect of absolute atheism, origin of savagery, and the most bloody turmoil. Then everywhere the citizens obliged to defend themselves against the world minority of revolutionaries. The world minority of revolutionaries is what people are calling the cabal, we got to get our freedom back. We got to get our liberty back. They've taken it from us. We'll exterminate those destroyers of civilization and the multitude disillusioned with Christianity, whose deistic spirits will from that moment be without compass or direction, anxious for an ideal, but without knowing where to render its adoration, will see the true light through the universal manifestation of the pure doctrine of Lucifer brought finally out in the public view. This manifestation will result from the general reactionary movement, which will allow the destruction of Christianity and atheism, both conquered and exterminated at the same time. So that's their dialectic and their plan. Is it biblical? I think it is. I think that's what you find in Revelation chapter 17 and 18. Chapter 17, you have the eighth head, which is like the seventh. So to the, to the unspiritual eyes, it'll look like a different beast. But to the spiritual eyes, he's telling you it's the same beast, right? It's morphing into a different thing. Right now you have the, the dark world order, and then it's going to be replaced by the false light new world order after some uh, difficulties here that are coming to pass, like mm. Babylon being burned to the ground in Revelation chapter 18. So that, that's what happens. And it's, it's the battle of Armageddon, but it's not what you think it is. It's not with modern Israel. It's against the people of God, which is the church, the true Israel of God, which is all people, nations, and languages around the world that believe in the biblical Christ. Wow. So, uh, you know, that, that's pretty scary, but anyway, that, that's about all I had to say. That's, that's what I, that's what well, I think purpose well. is. It's for, it's for counterfeit eschatology, but I think it's a counterfeit gospel too, because they say that Jesus hasn't fulfilled the covenants. They haven't fulfilled the Davidic covenant. The Davidic covenant's the kingdom covenant. He hasn't brought his kingdom yet. Well, he specifically says in Mark chapter one, verse 15 and 16, he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, going through Galilee saying, time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. That's Mark chapter one right? He says in Luke, if I cast out demons with the finger of God, know that the kingdom of God has come unto you, right? There's only one kingdom promised in the Old Testament, and it's the, the messianic kingdom, which is the Davidic kingdom, which is the Davidic king, the Davidic throne, and, and, and that's what was promised. So the Jews, if you hear kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, 
That's that's what it is. It's that kingdom that's promised from heaven. Kingdom of heaven means kingdom sent from heaven, right? I think it's interesting that you that you, that you said that uh ninety percent of the people that are there are atheists, and the other ten percent that are there are I don't know, maybe eight percent would would be Kabbalah, and also they're not believing that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior. So here's another interesting thing. That's that, Jason. I'm sorry, I'm gonna let you talk. No, 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 no. I just, I just got a, I just got a cool thing. Okay, say. here's an interesting thing, guys. So the way that they portrayed America as because we're the one that's always backing the Israel we're speaking of, they portrayed America as Protestant Christian. Uh, fighting for God and anybody that's an enemy to America is an enemy to God. And, and basically we've always been backing Israel, right? So everybody's like, well, America's going to be blessed because they're always backing Israel, right? So everybody thinks that, you know, it's like godly America and, and godly Israel together. And I hear everybody say that, but if you look at America, it is totally opposite of that. You know, there's a lot of Christians that are in America. Yes. And I love that, but the government is totally opposite of being Protestant and they're, they're worshiping Brahma and Baal and Satan. And if you see the Osiris, uh, you know what I'm saying, guys, like you guys got to look at that. So we're not actually, it's like an enemy to America is not an enemy to God. So when Russia is fighting Ukraine, you can't just say like, well, they're, they're Russia's against God. No, 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 no. A bunch of Orthodox Christians are in Russia. So we need to, take a look at this so it's like a package deal they kind of put together i think dave so if what dave is saying is correct uh you know it's it gets really interesting so you have the church christian church backing this uh you know probably from uh the seminary schools teaching you know telling them to make sure they teach this and then you have uh the the government backing israel the american government and we are the military arm of the new world order okay guys so there's a lot of moving parts here that we need to know and to study. The Rothschilds, they donated 144,000 acres of land to modern-day Israel for them to build that state. And Palestine and Israel are fighting all the time right now, you know, and it's, you know, it's just, and I have Palestinian neighbors that told me about this, you know, about what's going on there. So there's just a lot of moving parts that we need to study to understand what Dave is talking about and don't just go in and be like, that is wrong. Why would you say that? It's just, you know, he's biblically explaining it. And um, I would just want everybody that's listening to uh, research this fully before you come up with the conclusion. Also, the Hebrew Israelites, I don't I don't know, man, that they're like Khazarian Jews over there. They say that they, they could trace their heritage back to Abraham. But I mean, can they really? That's the thing. You got to look at that, you know, uh, look at uh, who the true Hebrew Israelites are. Well, they are, are descendants of Abraham. They're Lot's children, the Amorites, the Moabites, the, the Edomites. They are descendants of him, but they're descendants of the fleshly part of him, not descendants of, of, of the promised part of them. Yeah. You know so I mean? just look into it, guys. I just want you guys looking at that. But Jason, you can go ahead and go with uh, what I was going to say, uh, I guess it's the devil's, you know, plan is if you can't beat him, Join them. If if I can't beat God with with uh, my just killing off Christians and doing all that, you know what? I'm gonna join religions together. It started when Constantine did the same thing back then. He he heathenized Christianity, and you're bringing in you know you're like that's what I always speak on this like Halloween, all these holidays. I get I get a lot of crap for this man because people are like it's just for the kids, it's just for the kids. But I'm like no, you're teaching them things that were taught back then 
like traditions and now you're carrying them on down the line and now they're so far from christianity they're not even they're not even uh they're not even parts of of uh you're not even worshiping anything godly on that day so like i said they his plan is to like one world one world religion form together who cares what you believe just you have to believe this you can do whatever you want but you have to just you have to, part of you has to believe this and that's what God is saying. He's like, you, if you see that, I don't want you hot or cold. Again, you have to be all in because if you're not, you're going to be easily deceived by the times, by the prophecies that are being fulfilled. You're going to be deceived. You do your studies, man, because like you said, you can't just, you're wrong. That's that's ludicrous because my my pastor told me this and, and that and that. And, and a lot of people take one verse out of the Bible and they make a religion out of it. And Jesus Christ and God are the most least religious beings in, ever. Satan is the one who invented religion. That's how, that's how you get, you know, Catholicism. I, I'm sorry to say, but they changed the nomenclature in that. And all it is, is the queen of heaven worship. It is like, like it is that exactly. Idols are involved. Um, um, you're constantly, uh, you're constantly uh, uh, sacrificing Jesus every day. You're putting him up on that cross every day. And he said, I died for once and for, for only and that's it. You don't do that. So you're practicing traditions. You're, 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 you're blasting, you're you're really doing that right in front of me. You All preach right. my name, but you don't even know who I like, they know who I am. That's yeah. not that's exactly it says in the Bible, these these religions will be out there, they're all over the place. It's interesting, guys. Um, any last words, Dave, that, that you want to say after yeah. what we kind of talked about? Sure. Yeah, don't don't give up hope because uh Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, He is the sovereign, He is the only potentate. First uh, Timothy chapter six verse verse fifteen, and in Revelation chapter seventeen verse fourteen, it's talking about the ten horns that are ten kings, and they give their mind and shall have their power and strength unto the beast, and they rule with them for one hour. These will make war with the Lamb, but the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is King of kings and Lord of lords, and they that are with Him are called, chosen, and faithful. So, so. You don't need to worry about it when when you are in Christ. He's already conquered sin and he's conquered death. He will resurrect you on the last day, you know. So uh, if anyone, you know, wants to learn more about these subjects, uh, I, you can find me on Telegram. Uh, Jesus Freaks and Bible Geeks is a channel that I post a lot of stuff on. Nice and, uh, and we have discussions on there, too, so. If, if people want to connect with me and like-minded people or learn more or ask questions, you know, don't agree with me, but ask questions. I'm, I'm open to that. So you can find me on their telegram, Jesus freaks and Bible geeks. And honestly, I've had people like hit me up a lot after you get on my show and I, I try to connect them with you. Like if, you know, if I can, where they're like, who's this Dave Gardner guy? Like, who is this guy? Like I'm talking about like, people that are pastors and, and people that are, um, you know, that, that are really knowledgeable in the Bible, they're interested in what you're saying, because, you know, it's a lot of it is biblical and what you're talking about goes a lot along with the Christian and conspiracy perspective, because I mean, everything you're connecting is just like a new world order type, uh, you know, and also secret societies involved, you know, Manly P hall, Albert Pike, all these different things are involved. And, it gets, it's just really interesting guys. And I love having Dave on. Um, I would like to have you on Dave to go uh, through where we're at right now from your view to the end. And what does it look like from the perspective that you believe in, in biblically? So I would like to have you on one more time 
to do like a revelation, you know, timeline of what you believe is going to happen next so that people understand what your interpretation is of the rest of revelation. If that's okay. Yeah. It sounds, sounds like fun. And right. I, I think it give, I think it would give people hope. I think all the views do give people hope. The problem is some views give people false hope and that's what we need. That's what we need to warn about. Yeah. So if you have a, uh, I know you said you have a, uh, the telegram, do you have a couple other people that believe like how, you know, like in, in uh, how you believe and maybe we can have a little, uh, uh, I would like to have a round table maybe with you and a few other of your, your friends, or maybe do you have some other people that, that, that are also on the same page or. Uh, well, Philip Moreau is an author that I like to pull from a lot, but he's, he's been dead for about a century. Uh, okay. I also oh, he can't be on our show. Then I don't think he's going to make it. You're getting his ideas forward, you know, for me, uh, I have a channel called Philip Moreau on telegram too, where I posted his life works. He, he wrote, he was dispensational at his conversion. He's a really smart guy. He was a, a U.S. Uh, district attorney and patent attorney in the early 20th century. And then he converted to Christianity in, in his early forties. And he was dispensational at the beginning, and then he just, then he kind of figured it out. And he was one of the biggest writers against dispensationalism. He wrote a book called The Gospel of the Kingdom, and it directly refutes the Schofield Reference Bible of 1917 that we were talking about before. So I have all his works in PDF posted on that channel called Philip Moreau. So I I've, I, I want to ask one thing, one more thing before we go. Uh, do you think that because the Bible's not in chronological order? That's why it's so easy to deceive like through all these prophecies and stuff like that, because people actually read it like it's in chronological order. A lot of people think it's in chronological order, but it's not. So you get these like Isaiah and Jeremiah, and then you get, you have Daniel, but then you have Job, like before that, but Job was like the oldest book in the Bible. And <clears throat> it was just like, maybe they, they use that. And that's why maybe in the new Testament, you have all of them quoting from the old Testament saying, these are the points, like, these are the points that we're trying to show you, you know, like, yeah. You, you, you go with a stumbling block, like the Jezebel, the Jezebel in Revelation, you know, you, you bring the stumbling block and then you keep following that and you're teaching this to other people and you're constantly doing it. You get a large following. You're, you're, you're leading like the, like the, you know, the Piper with the, 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 whatever those things are, the little uh, rats or whatever into hell. You're taking yeah, them right there. And, and sometimes you don't even know you're doing it because you think you're so right on it. And that's what like why God judges teachers and, and and pastors and preachers of the Bible because you better know your stuff before you start spitting it into somebody's ear because someone could be like oh my gosh that's the most that that's the most crazy that's crazy thing I ever heard I'm gonna go ahead and believe that and what you're not and and you're not really believing in the right believing or worshiping in the right way at all I don't know yeah that's just my thought on that I have thought about yeah. all that. So, all right. So we're, we're to the point now, guys, we're, we're, we're going to end. It was a, it was an amazing show. I really loved it. And like I said, Dave, we'll have you back on to everybody that's uh, listening. Uh, thank you for subscribing. Uh, if you could, if you hear this podcast, please subscribe, uh, help us to grow. I know that we probably had, you know, I think we had uh, one time I got 40 subscribers taken away from me in one day. So I know they're trying to like take subscribers away and we're not, we're just trying to make the show big. We're not trying to like make money or anything. It's not like we're going to be able to monetize with the stuff we talk about. So we just want to try to get as many people to, to be able to hear the messages that we, you know, we have people come on and bring. So we want to say thank you so much, guys. We really love you. We appreciate you. Um, anybody that's left any, uh, 
you know any kind of reviews on Apple or on um or on Anchor. We really appreciate you guys. Thank you. And Jay, you have one more thing to say? Yeah, and I just want to say the reason why we do these opposing view shows is because we're we're doing you guys a service. We want to make sure that you're hearing one side and not just the other. We're not trying to make you think one way. We're trying to make you believe in yourself to study and show thyself approved. And also, you know, be be open-minded and study the scripture daily and prove these things that are that are so, you know, like yeah. be don't believe us. Believe the scripture, study it and 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 study study the Hebrew, study the study the Greek, study all of it. And, and if, if you're stuck on something, take it to the Holy Spirit and pray about it. And I guarantee you, he will he will help you understand it. Yes, exactly. So Maybe thank you guys listen to Dave one. I don't know where that, that's what I did. I'm like, man, he makes me question a lot of things now. Like, it's like, wow, that doesn't line up. That doesn't sound right. So I'm going to go ahead and look at that, study it. Oh man, Dave was right. That is, that is in the scripture. So Dave's not a dumb guy that he's very smart. And just because um, he has an opposing view doesn't mean he's wrong. So yeah. So I'll have Dave back on to go over revelation and, and explain from, from his point of view so that we have a, a good understanding. Thank you guys for tuning in. We love you and we appreciate every single one of you. God bless you. Sorry, guys, I forgot to pray. Let's uh, let's go ahead and bow our heads. Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for this uh, vast amount of information that we got to receive tonight. We appreciate everything you do for us, Lord. Father God, thank you. I just want to pray for anybody out there that's having any issues at all with any type of stronghold or any type of sin. Uh, I, I want to pray for myself, Dave, Jason, my family, Jason's family, Dave's family, everybody, please just we want to put a legion of angels around us to protect us because I know the devil is always trying to butt into our our lives. So please, Lord, um, I have a, a, a few people uh, to pray for on, on Instagram. Uh, he's a new friend that I just met, uh, Todd Switzer. He's about to have a baby, Lord. I just want to say, please, Father God, in the name of Jesus, please let him have a, a safe pregnancy, healthy pregnancy. And uh, let the baby come safe. And uh, we appreciate every baby you give us, Lord, and every blessing you give us. We appreciate everything, Father God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't forget the prayer. God bless you guys.